Our scripture reading this morning comes from uh, Genesis, the 28th chapter, verses 10 through 22. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob woke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and the stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives today by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um, most people know about this sensation referred to as deja vu. Um, it's a strange feeling you get. Uh, when you experience a moment in time, and you could swear you've experienced that exact same moment before. Most of you are aware of deja vu, and, and maybe you've experienced it at some point in your life. Uh, what most people don't know is that there are other experiences eerily similar to deja vu. Um, for instance, there's a little known uh, sensation that occurs when you experience deja vu about something you've already experienced deja vu about. Uh, this is called deja tu. Or, hang on, I got a bunch of these. Um, or uh, when you get sick and you realize you've experienced the same symptoms before, that's called deja flu. Um, or has this ever happened to you? So you're watching a scary movie. And it's something that uh, you've watched before as a kid, and you jump in the exact same spot as you did uh, when you were a kid. That's called deja vu. <laughs> um, okay, how about this, guys? Okay, um, your wife comes home, and uh, she told you she just got a new haircut, and you could swear it's the same new haircut she got last month. That's called deja vu. <laughs> or... Uh, you're playing a board game, and you get to the end, and someone else discovers that the murderer is Professor Plum in the library with the candlestick, and uh, you realize that's exactly what you were going to guess. That's deja clue. Um, this one's just me, okay? You're driving from Radford to Ranger, and you get a little turned around, 
and you pass a cow pasture that you could have sworn you've already passed before. This is called deja vu. <laughs> and finally, um, though I could keep this up all morning, that eerie sensation you get in church on Sunday morning when you feel like you've sat in this exact same spot and heard this exact same sermon before. That's called deja vu. I apologize. Um, you all deserve better than that. Uh, but it's time you learn who I am. Um, I'm a dad three times over, and I have the jokes to prove it. But many of you may have experienced deja vu this morning. Uh, when we read the scripture this morning, you may have been worried that I was preaching the same sermon as last week. Uh, this is a new sermon. Um, we're just returning to last week's passage because we have some unfinished business. Remember last week we talked about how Jacob's dream of a staircase was actually a vision from God about the place of worship that would one day stand at Bethel. We talked about how it would be a different kind of temple where heaven and earth truly did meet. And rather than bowing to a, to a stone idol, um, they would worship the living God, the God of their fathers. We talked about how Jacob slept on a stone pillow and that when he slept on that stone pillow, God's dream for Bethel became Jacob's dream for Bethel. And we talk about how amazing things can happen when God's dream for Fairview United Methodist Church becomes our dream for Fairview United Methodist Church. Then I gave you homework. I sent you home with the stone. Don't ever say I never gave you nothing. But I told you that I wanted you to keep this stone to remind you to pray and to think about what God's dream is for Fairview. What does God want to do with us? Where does he want to take us? I ask you to really dream about what God wants to do in our church. And I asked you to come ready to share. So, uh, okay. Let's uh, begin to share together. Does, uh, does anyone uh, uh, have anything that the Lord's laid on their heart this week about what God wants to do um, at Fairview? Yeah, it's hard to hard to invite young families um, when you when you feel like you don't have anything for them. But then, if you don't have young families, you can't do anything for them. Yeah. So uh, so maybe we need to we need to start reaching out to young families in our community. Any other dreams for the church? Nora's going to be learning a trumpet and band, so maybe she can play the trumpet in church. That's a good dream. It'll be a year or two. 
just being real honest. <laughs> Any others? Something that uh, the Lord laid on my heart this week. Um, you know, I was thinking of uh, of doing uh, doing some things with Sydney. You know, getting uh, getting the group together, and um, you know, I thought you know wouldn't it be neat maybe if every fifth Sunday or something like that. This is a fifth Sunday, so it's obvious too late to do it um but you know if we got together and had one worship service with both the churches that was something that uh that, you know i thought of maybe we could switch back and forth you know one fifth sunday do it at sydney one fifth sunday do it here um don't know how y'all feel about that but <laughs> I using opportunity for food. <laughs> well, thank you all for sharing. I know that's not easy to do, um, and maybe uh, maybe you have something uh, on your heart that um, that you don't quite feel comfortable sharing in the group. But uh, but um, certainly, you know, call me, email me, uh, tell me about your dream um, for Sydney. Not Sydney, Fairview. So uh, we have these dreams and many others, and we truly believe that they are from God and that He has placed them in our hearts. What do we do next? There are a few things I believe are important for us to understand as we move forward together. The first is this even if we feel overwhelmed by the enormity of the dream, you know. How do you start a ministry for children um, when you've only got a couple kids? I believe that we're called to take the first step now. Think about this. When Jacob awakes from his dream, he doesn't immediately build the entire temple at Bethel. He can't. He's got a lot of pressing things going on in his life. He's running away from his brother because his brother is trying to kill him. He's got to go to his uncle's house so he can get a job, start a family, and make his way in the world. Jacob doesn't have the time, the energy, the resources, or the manpower to build a temple at Bethel. Truth be told, he doesn't even have a deed to the property. But Jacob doesn't let the enormity or the impossibility of the task stop him from taking the first step. We are told that when Jacob woke up in the morning, he took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. See, in faith, 
Jacob sets the first stone pillar for what will eventually become the house of God. He takes the first step. As a church, that's what we need to be willing to do. We need to be willing to take out, to take the first step, the first simple step towards God's dream for Fairview. Um, at one time, uh, Kim Linehan held the world record uh, for the women's 1,500-meter freestyle. At 18, she was considered the greatest female swimmer of all time. According to her coach, it was because she practiced tirelessly. She would do these intense workouts in the pool, and she would exercise every muscle she was going to need to swim. She would swim seven days a week, seven to 12 miles a day. Once Kim Lingahan was asked by a reporter what the hardest part of her workout was, and she answered, gigging in the water. The hardest part sometimes is gigging in the water. And this morning, I believe we simply need to just get in the water. We simply need to commit to taking the first step and trust that God will take that and bless that and multiply that. We need only have the faith of a mustard seed and mountains will move. All it takes is taking the first small step, going from sleeping on a stone pillow to setting up a stone pillar. So what is that first step for us? What is the first step to starting a children's ministry here? What is the first step to filling up this sanctuary with people? For me, one of the first steps was getting a piano player, right? That was the first step. We can't invite people and have them listen to CDs, right? But we got that now. Um, what's the first step to that children's ministry? That's going to take some prayer and some thought, but we need to commit this morning that when we, when we come up with that first step, we're going to take it together. What's the first step to serving in the community? Probably identifying the community's needs and identifying a way that we can meet it. Right? That's going to take some prayer and some thought, but we need to commit together this morning that we're going to take the first step. The story about a pilgrim traveling through medieval France. And he happens on this work site where these stone cutters were busy working. The pilgrim was curious, and so he, uh, he, he stopped to ask the stone cutters about the work they were doing. The first stone cutter he approached was sort of muttering under his breath. He had a scowl on his face. What are you doing, the pilgrim asked. What do you want to know about it, the stonecutter replied. He was barely looking up. I do nothing but break my back all day, slaving over these stones with cheap instruments. I put them where they tell me, and I go home when they tell me. I do it without any thanks and for very little pay. So the pilgrim quietly backs away uh, so he doesn't offend the fellow any further. Then he sees another stonecutter who was smiling and whistling while he worked. What are you doing? The pilgrim asked the second stonecutter. He looks up with a grin. Just working to make a living. I cut these stones all day to support my beautiful wife and my family back in the village. It's not exciting work, but it's honest. 
and it puts food on the table. I know many able-bodied men who struggle to find work, and this job pays regularly, so I feel pretty blessed. The pilgrim was about to leave satisfied when he saw a third stonecutter. This one was working quietly and intensely. His hands were quick and precise. What are you doing? asked the pilgrim. The third stonecutter was so engrossed in his task, so single-minded, he didn't even hear the pilgrim. He didn't even look up. So louder this time, he said, what are you doing? The third stonecutter looked up to the heavens and whispered, I'm building a cathedral. I love that story. What a beautiful picture of what it means to have kingdom vision. You see, if we let God's dream become our dream, then we're engaged in holy work. Work that is bigger than ourselves. Work in which we all play a part. Work which we cannot give up. The next thing I believe we need to understand as we move forward is that it's not simply enough to take that first step and leave it at that. We have to be in it for the long haul. Like a stonecutter working on a cathedral that might not be finished in his lifetime. We must realize that working toward God's dream requires us to think bigger than ourselves. God's dream for Fairview may be greater than what you or I alone can accomplish. But if it's truly God's dream, then we must not give up on it. As a famous rabbi once said, we are not obligated to complete the work, nor are we free to give it up. We are not obligated to complete the work, nor are we free to give it up. God's dream may be bigger than my time here at Fairview, but while I'm here, I promise I will work diligently toward that dream. Truth be told, God's dream may be bigger than your time here at Fairview. But we're all called to take up the work until it's time to pass it on to the next generation. You see, his whole life, Jacob never forgot the vow he made at Bethel. And he followed God's dream wherever it took him. And in the 35th chapter of Genesis, some 30 years later, Jacob returns to Bethel and builds an altar and speaks to God there. He was in it for the long haul. It's not enough to simply take the first step and abandon the work. We must be working towards God's dream for this church for as long as we are able. And finally, if we're truly to make God's dream our dream, I believe we must always remember that Jesus Christ has to be the foundation of everything we build together. Remember Jesus' words from the seventh chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. 
the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell down with a great crash. If the stone pillars we set are not on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole enterprise will be destined for failure. If we begin this morning on the foundation of what we want, on the foundation of what the, the, the pastor wants, on the foundation of what some megachurch somewhere says we're supposed to do, or even on the foundation of what would make grandma and heaven happy, then the whole thing will collapse at the first sign of rain. As Psalm 127 reminds us, unless the Lord builds this house, the laborers labor in vain. If God's dream for Fairview is to truly be realized, we will be called to abandon old ideas, old ways of doing things. We'll be called to leave our egos at home and begin to work together towards something greater than any one of us alone can accomplish. And we'll be called to do it on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Because anything else will have a fatal flaw. It will be doomed from the very start. So one thing I've learned about um, people in Virginia during my five or six years living here, um, every one of y'all, from like the smallest toddler um, to, uh, let's say, the wisest old-timer, every one of y'all knows way more about the Civil War than I do. Um, it's got to where I'm, I'm always like a little afraid to tell a Civil War story for fear that you know some sixth grader might gently correct me. Um, but this story is too good not to tell. It's about Abraham Lincoln's last cabinet meeting on the eve of the Civil War. It was a long one. They discussed all the relevant factors. Military strategy, troop morale, how the conflict would affect the economy, everything. Finally, when they were wrapping up, one of the cabinet members said, Mr. President, before we adjourn, I think it would be proper to pray together that in this undertaking the Lord would be on our side. The president simply and curtly said, no. And the rest of the cabinet was startled by this because they knew Lincoln to be a devout man. But then he continued, no. Let us not pray that the Lord will be on our side, but rather let us pray that we will be on the Lord's side. We are not here this morning to invite God to be on our side to invite God to bless our dreams. We are here standing on the foundation of Christ, praying to let his dream become our dream. We are here to commit to taking the first step and to seeing the work through. So, um, I just invite everyone, maybe you've still got your stone at home, maybe you've got it with you, I want you to keep that as a reminder that we're going to take our first step together. Um, I want you to keep it as a reminder that um, something great can start with something small. That uh, we're just going to, on faith, begin the first steps towards starting that children's ministry. Begin the first step towards uh, serving the community. Whatever that is. Um, right now, for us, I think it's 
praying about the first step, um, figuring out what that is. All right? Let's do that together. Let's do that in the knowledge that we're going to be on God's side, that we're going to stand on the foundation that is Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.